Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message titled Impressed or Impacted was given by Bill Dogdrum and is the fourth in our series, The Kingdom. And we're in uh, the Gospel of Mark, um, the fourth uh, kind of, I think it's the fourth in the series that we're doing. We're in the first chapter. We're going to kind of just slowly walk through Mark over the next little while. Uh, it's kind of a defining book is the kingdom of God embodied in Jesus Christ confronts uh, a number of obstacles. Uh, Darren's um, kind of led us through uh, the initial conversation. And last week, uh, we, were, we were focused in on what it meant for Jesus to call those uh, disciples, what it meant uh, for Jesus to believe in them as a, as a rabbi, um, as, a, as a teacher, um, and, and he walked you through that. Now I want, as we start to transition, Jesus is not yet uh, kind of fully in his public ministry yet. He is only now just beginning uh, to kind of show up in various places, so that we're kind of in on the ground floor, so to speak, uh, at this point in the, in the, in the conversation. So uh, we're going to pick this up at verse 21. Uh, in, in the uh, first uh, chapter of the Gospel of Mark, if everybody's got that. I feel a little uh, like there's a bit of a ring. Are you hearing that too? Yeah, everybody but Darren's hearing that, so it's like, okay, fine. All right, uh, anyway, uh, Mark chapter uh, 1, and we'll pick it up at verse 21. Um, and, and I'm using the New American Standard. It's a different translation than the one you're using. Uh, Darren and I are working to get us kind of a standardized one. Uh, so that everybody's on the same page, more or less. Uh, but it, you'll be able to still track with it, I think. Uh, verse 21, they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him, and they were all amazed. So they debated amongst themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the de unclean spirits, the demons, and they obey him. Immediately the news about him went out everywhere into all the surrounding, surrounding district of Galilee. So, back up, verse 21, we're just going to kind of walk through this uh, a, a, a little bit. Jesus has uh, come from that kind of northwest shore of that little lake that we call the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it's not a, a, a big body of water. There's a natural kind of, of cove there where this initial conversation, verses 16 through 20, would have taken place. And so now he is going back with these men whom he has just called kind of back to their home base, back to their, their town. Uh, Peter and Andrew uh, lived in Cana, excuse me, lived in Capernaum. So they would have had, had familiarity and you can kind of just, there's this natural uh, trans, uh, trans, transmission of, the, of back up the coast 
It's about a, a, a four-mile walk, maybe at most, maybe two and a half miles. And so we're at this, this kind of this large, relatively large, it's a city of about 10,000 people at this time. There's a Roman, small Roman garrison there. Uh, there is an outpost at that Roman garrison of the royal court of Herod. Uh, in fact, uh, people are going to come to Jesus out of that royal court uh, uh, asking for healings of various kinds. Remember the nobleman that sent and asked Jesus to heal his, his son? Uh, he's from Capernaum. So you've got this. This is not a, a small town like Nazareth is or like Cana uh, is in some of the other, other regions. So we're going to dealing with a fairly substantial uh, city, uh, so to speak. Uh, I mean, for, for us, city of 10,000, not so much. Uh, town, but, but a, a good-sized town. Uh, in fact, probably the largest town in that northern, northern region. And Jesus um, is there and goes, as is his habit, on the Sabbath to the synagogue. So Jesus... Um, regularly attended the, the worship services of the uh, uh, Jewish religion. He was a Jew uh, and went into that. The synagogal pattern of worship on a Sabbath day would have involved singing, um, usually psalms uh, set to, to music, uh, and it would have involved uh, instruction. And the instruction would have been uh, the reading of uh, Torah, the reading of prophets and the singing of writings. Uh, if you've been with us in the foundations class last time, you know that those are the three primary divisions in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Old Bible, uh, Old Testament, uh, Torah, Ketubim, the prophets, former and latter, and then the, uh, uh, the, the writings. Uh, the Nephilim is the prophets and the Ketubim is the is the. Um, is the writings. So Psalms would be in there and so on. So it would be very somewhat similar to our structure, except uh, men would be sitting uh, alone. Women would have been, been isolated from, from the uh, men in the congregation, and it would have been getting the, the overflow um, uh, and, uh, in, in this kind of a, kind of a conversation. Uh, and it's not like Jesus just kind of you know, wanders in and says, here I am, I'm the teacher for the day. It is that the scribes or the synagogue rulers would have invited him as a visitor, as a, a, a visiting rabbi to address the crowd, to, to teach them the lesson of the day. And we know uh, from Luke's gospel when he does that, that he regularly chooses one of the prophets, primarily Isaiah, as the one who kind of defines who he is and what he has come to do. We don't get that sense here because that's not exactly the point of Mark's uh, telling of this story. So he enters the synagogue. He begins when the opportunity comes to respond to the opportunity to teach. And when he teaches, the people are amazed at his teaching, amazed at his teaching. And the reason is he teaches as one who has authority in himself he simply opens the text and reads it and unpacks it for them, talks about what it means, talks about its implications, not like their teachers do, not like their, their, their scribes do, who have their authority based on their knowledge of other authorities. So a typical scribal uh, teaching would involve quoting from other rabbis long since past. Uh, in fact, um, there's a collection of the teachings uh, in a book uh, called the Mishnah, and uh, 
and the Talmud. So those two primary writings would have been the inf in, inform the synagogal teaching. So uh, instead of, uh, of, of quoting the rabbi who is speaking on this particular passage, Jesus would have just stood up and said, this is what it means, this is what it's about, this is what the implications uh, are of that. And that was so radical to them that they were amazed at his teachings. And I want you to start to notice here a couple of themes that we're getting already in Mark. Verse 21, you'll notice the word immediately shows up. Again, like I mentioned to you the last time I was here, John, Mark's favorite word, he uses it four times more than the rest of the gospel writers combined. So John's, uh, excuse me, Mark's gospel has Jesus as just kind of a, a man on the move. He is constantly moving and he's moving quickly and authoritatively in each of the settings. He goes into that scenario, but here's another theme that begins to develop. People are amazed by Jesus. But I want you to notice that there's a difference between being amazed by Jesus and believing in Jesus. It's the difference between being impressed with him and impacted by him. And right now, people are taking notes when he talks they are impressed with Jesus. But so far, they're still not convinced that he is worth following across the street. So they're showing up in church on a Sunday morning, and they're amazed at the teaching. And it's going to get better here in a couple minutes. But at this stage of the game, they still are, are maintaining distance. And one of the things that Mark will do over and over and over again through his Gospels is tell the stories of people who are amazed by Jesus but not impacted by him, who are impressed but not impacted, who are curious and want him to continue to do new tricks and speak new words, but have no intention of translating that interest into a life of following, into a life of discipleship. And that tension is going to build and build and build and build until we finally get a, 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 a split in allegiance uh, between those who are impressed and those who are impacted in Mark chapter 8, where Peter is going to make the statement of the impacted, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus is from that moment on going to try and impact the impacted with what it means to be his disciples. So we're very early in that process. We're probably going to get to that passage quite a bit later on. So we're on the way there. And here's the scenario. Jesus is impacting, or amazing people with his teaching because of its authority. A second uh, event occurs now uh, in, in, in reference to Jesus' authority. By the way, if, I don't know if you're ever interested in this, but this synagogue that Jesus uh, is teaching in here has been found in Capernaum. Uh, it's about 10 feet uh, below the street level. It's a, a, a composed of uh, basalt uh, rocks uh, that are common to the area. A fairly substantial synagogue for a community of 10,000 people. And, and uh, it, it has, it, it's been found. So I, I just find that cool. Anyway, sorry. Um, anyway, amazed by his teaching, verse 21, verse 23 there, the other thing that you need to, well, let me finish. Uh, uh, just then, 
There was in their synagogue a man uh, who had been demonized or with an unclean spirit. Uh, And this uh, unclean spirit cried out through the voice of the man, what have you to do, what have we to do with you, Lord uh, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Um, Just a a brief history lesson. Capernaum is in the north and and just kind of tipping to the east part of that lake, right? Right just further to the east is the border between Jewish territory and Gentile territory. I've got this all backwards, so can you do the translation? Okay, you with me? Uh, so so we're, we're, we're right, right at this kind of border region. And in that northern region is an area that had, over the previous two or three, four, five, six, seven centuries, 700 years, uh, because of its, its uh, uh, incredibly rugged terrain, uh, because it was the source of, this, of the waters that flowed down and became the Sea of Galilee and then the Jordan River and finally into the Dead Sea, um, it became a place uh, in which m- multiple types of gods uh, were worshipped in uh, multiple kinds of ways. In fact, there is a, a spring there that is viewed as being bottomless that is, uh, was called at that time the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, because it was, the, it was bottomless. People believed that it was access to the underworld and that regularly would sacrifice then their children uh, by, by throwing them into the gates of hell. Uh, as, a, as a way of ameliorating the gods, of, of, of placating the gods, of, of serving, the, of worshiping, so to speak, uh, their gods. So this is the region that we're in here, right? This is, this is, this is a, a, an area of, of the intersection of spiritual realities, if you will, okay? You with me? By the way, this is, this is where Jesus says, uh, Mark chapter 8, that gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom of God. This is where he says that, in that, in that region. Okay? So he is, he, is, he is kind of dialed in to what's happening in the culture spiritually around him at that, at that, at that place. And so it, it's not un, unlikely that as part of that spiritual ethos where things are in tumult, where things are in chaos, where things are in confusion, that there would be a person who as a result of uh, perhaps something that occurred in his childhood, his parents involved in the occult, uh, the worship of one of these other gods, or because of the region that he was involved in, at some point there had been an invitation uh, of a demonic spirit, which are personal beings, so to speak, that have capacity to inhabit uh, uh, a host. Um, they, They are not the departed spirits of dead people, and there are no ghosts. Uh, uh, there are, however, demons. And, and we who are followers of Jesus uh, need to be aware of that reality. Uh, and, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, uh, more next week and this week, uh, a little bit later on. But I, I need you to, to, to recognize these are realities. They're not anything that we need to be afraid of. But Jesus is confronting this. And he, please notice, Jesus is not looking for a fight. He is not lifting up, you know, bushes looking for demons to cast out of people. He is, he is not um, in, invoking 
demonic presences. It's just that when light begins to approach, darkness pushes back. And that's what's happening here. Uh, and so this individual uh, had, been, had been terrorized because, remember, uh, the demonic spirits are under the control of, of the Satan, the opposer, the, the, and, and, and their primary work uh, is to terrorize, to terrify people, to make them afraid. Because when we're afraid, we cower, we retreat, we, we back up into our tiny little spaces of comfort. Um, and you'll notice that Jesus uh, simply responds to the testimony, by the way, the accurate testimony of this demonic spirit and, 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 and rebukes him and says, first, be quiet, you're done speaking here. And second, come out of him. Jesus will not allow his life or ministry to be defined by darkness. He will not allow his life or ministry to be defined by de demonic testimony, even though it's accurate. He does not need the affirmation. He does not need the testimony from that dark side as to who he is. And Darren's going to unpack this even a little bit more next week in the passage. I think it's, I think it's germane that here we are in the month of horror. You can't turn on the TV anymore during the month of October without somebody's head flying out of the screen at you or some vomitous substance in three dimensions coming off the movie, movie screen. And I need you to, I need you to recognize um, that, that the, the, the function of the demonic spirits in this realm here and in ours uh, are uh, to terrify. That's what the enemy does. He terrorizes. He is, Peter says, a roaring lion. The reason a lion roars is to terrify his target so that they break free from the protective community and become prey for his appetite. This is what Jesus is shutting down simply with his presence. He pushes back against the darkness with radiance and with light. Darkness does not have a chance when light is in the house. And that's what's going on here. Um, just for those of you who are a little anxious about this, I need to say, um, in, 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 in kind of, because I'm anticipating the possibility at least for some of you who have not thought about this or have heard stuff in another context, uh, can such a person, can such a thing happen today? And the answer is yes. But it's very difficult. Uh, demonic possession is not, uh, you know, I, I read a, a, a horoscope once. You know, by the way, that's just really stupid anyway. But this is, this is, this is a, a, a fairly deliberate invitational act over time. So we're not dealing with a happenstance uh, hiccup of a moment, right? This is a, a deliberate um, uh, uh, invitation uh, and, um, and so on. And that's what I think is, is happening in this scenario. So Jesus rebukes him, says, be quiet, come out of him. Uh, and and uh, throwing him into convulsions, the demon, the unclean spirit cries out and leaves. And verse 27 again, they were all amazed so that they debated amongst themselves. Now notice here, debate again is not belief. We have something to talk about over lunch. 
Were you in synagogue this morning? Did you see what happened? Right? And please notice, this is distracting people from who Jesus is. It's distracting people from what he came to actually do. They are now in debate about him saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Within three chapters, the reason they will conclude, some of them, that the reason Jesus has authority over unclean spirits is because he's the prince of the unclean spirit. Because he's in charge of them. This is the word on the street. Who else could have that kind of word authority over these demonic presences that oppress people, but someone who came from the dark side himself? And Jesus is aware that of the way the spin machine works in the spiritual realm. He's aware, and so instantly he wants to begin to shut this down because he is not going to let demonic presences define the nature of his ministry or who he is. He is not going to be driven by terror. He is not going to let his role as the savior of the world be shaped into a sideshow circus act of healing, of deliverance. He wants, at the end of the day, people to follow him boldly and bravely to the cross. And so he is pushing back against this. Does that, does that make sense? Now, I, I, we don't usually do this on a Sunday morning. I take more time on it on a Sunday night. But I'm wondering if, just, if we have a little bit of time here, if there's anybody that might have a couple of questions coming out of this. And I don't want to uh, uh, kind of push off the, off the direction. But uh, nonetheless, I'm aware with a topic like this that maybe there are some things that we should, should respond to. Because I, I, I have a, a point that I want to make, but I want to make sure you're on on track with me on this. Was demon possession more common back then? Uh, the short answer is yes, and it's also more common in uh, two-thirds worlds where there's a much more um, uh, uh, focused attention on the spiritual realms. So if you're in Asia uh, or in Africa, in fact, uh, our friends who are, are heading over to Thailand, one of the things that I praying, I'm praying for them is protection because there's a, a, a significant spiritual presence of an oppositional and negative kind there, uh, some of which then eventuates in possession. Yeah, is it possible for somebody who has claimed the name of Jesus to be possessed in this way? The answer is no. Uh, it is possible for the enemy to continue to attack them and, and he primarily attacks through, through the primary means of terror. So he will frighten them if he can, and by that fear, cause them to be, to be kind of retreat into, this, into the, uh, their own uh, comfort zone. Jesus? Yes, sir? In fact, one of the things that you're going to find as we follow him around, even in these first chapters, I think, again, I'm putting a lot of weight on Darren for next week, but, uh, but, but this is really what's going to be happening here. Within minutes, uh, Jesus is overwhelmed by demands that he shape his ministry to the public interest. 
And so he's going to constantly be on the move so nobody knows where he is uh, exactly right. Because he's not going to be defined by the sideshow stuff. Now, and, and your question is really germane to exactly the point that Mark is making. Is that because this is, this is the issue that we've got to deal with now in, in some ways. Are you going to follow the Jesus who is the, the real son of God? Or are you going to follow the Jesus who is the manufactured Jesus of your own projections? Because that's, that's the real current issue today, right? Because we will generate a God in our own image, won't we? Uh, that, that we then want to do stuff. And then we get ticked at him when we try and cash a check that he hasn't signed. You know, we forge a signature, God's signature on a check, and we deposit it in the bank and then get angry when it bounces. Like, what? And Jesus is pushing back hard against that. Yeah. Um, so, so in this context, and, and back on, on, on Kevin's question here, I am convinced, especially with, with, with Jake's uh, refocusing of this, in the Western world particularly, but I would also argue in, in the Eastern world, and I think in this world, the real problem is not individual demonic um, attacks or oppression or even possession. The real problem is systemic evil. The real problem is systemic evil. If the enemy can distract us, as he was trying to do with the ministry of Jesus, by things that go bump in the night, and that becomes the focus of our spiritual warfare, then I don't have to deal with pride. Then I don't have to deal with lust. Then I don't have to deal with irresponsibility financially. Then I don't have to deal with my own sexuality. Do you, do you see? I can just blame a spirit. The devil made me do it. And Jesus is just going to say, uh, no, that's not the game we're playing here. That's not what's going on. The real pushback is not in the deliverance side. The real pushback is in the salvation side. Come to the cross and die so that I can give you new life of liberty. Do you, do you see? And so like We've got to be very careful, especially in this month of horror. Can we just reframe this? October is not a month of horror. It's a month of terrorism in the emotional and spiritual component. As people are seeing a movie or seeing something that, that, that flies out of them at, at, at them and, and, and puts themselves, and I'm going to say this very carefully because I recognize that I'm in... In, a, in an environment and in place with a number of people for whom this is just not an issue. You can go to the movie and you can see the thing and you're just, ha, 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 that's wonderful. Let's have pizza. And others of you cannot do that. You go and you see those things and those images are lodged in your minds and they show up at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning as something, you know, fell off the wall in your bedroom and all of a sudden it's like, huh. Sorry. See, see, you guys should not go see those movies. <laughs> but how many of you know what I'm talking about? And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and, then, and then we interpret a normal occurrence caused by gravity to have supernaturalistic implications. And the enemy uses the image from Emily Rose or the image from the exorcist or the images from or the images from or the images from and he he terrifies us he terrifies us 
And I just got to say to you, don't go see the movie. If you already are starting to get a little anxious at the trailer on TV, it's okay to be naive about the rest of the 120 minutes. And you save 15 bucks. Hello? Okay, do you see where I'm at on this? Because we don't need, we, the community of the people of God, do not need to be distracted this month by things that go bump in the night. We've got work to do. We've got darkness to push back in Jesus' name. We've got conversations to have with people who are terrified. We have got, we've got an invitation to life to offer. I need you to notice here that Jesus does not even break a sweat in this confrontation. There are no rituals. There are no incantations. In fact, that, and this is very deliberate, I'm convinced, because the Jewish uh, scribal leaders also cast out demons, but through a process of exorcism. This is not what Jesus is doing. There is no, like I said, no ritual, no incantation, no let's all get together and kumbaya for three hours, nothing. It was just shut up, be gone, bang. Whoa, what? And, he's, and, and that's why people are so astounded at the authority with which he does this. How in the world is he doing that? Oh, wait. There must be something here. What is it? Let's dish over lunch. And inevitably, they're going to come to the wrong conclusion. Because the right conclusion is a matter of revelation. God's going to have to lead him into it. And he's doing that through this work of Jesus. Otherwise, we just relegate Jesus to this sideshow, this carnival freak, performing performance artist. Not the Son of Man, not the Son of God who came to die, not just for the sins of the world, but to live as a model for how we are invited to live. You, you see what he's doing here? So he just pushes back against it, and verse 28, as you pointed out, immediately, right, the news about him went everywhere in the surrounding cities. And, and we're going to come to a place now he can't, he, a little bit later on, we've got a story in which he is, he is so jam-packed in a room when people hear that he's in town that he can't even take a break. He can't even turn around. He has to finally leave and go to the beach and tire to get a break. Uh, because of the popularity. I mean, you talk about a celebrity culture. It's not new. It's not unique to us. There were no TMZ, thank God. Um, but nonetheless, there is that, that, that kind of, of, of definition by fame that Jesus is going to have to start to push back again. And I'm, I, I guess I want to say to you uh, that, that as we draw to conclusion here, Jesus is not afraid he walks in complete victory. He walks in complete confidence. That's why what Darren was uh, leading us in last week is so important. If you know who you are, if you know who Jesus believes you to be, and you stand in that authority, you don't need to be afraid either. You, you can walk in calm. You can walk in victory. Jesus walks in joy. This is his way. This is his authority. This is his invitation to us. No wonder there's pushback from the kingdom of darkness. 
No wonder, however, Jesus said, the kingdom of darkness will not prevail against the kingdom of God. He will not. So here we are, this month of terror, this month of emotional and spiritual terrorism. But Jesus comes, and Jesus invites you to joy and confidence and to walk in liberty. And I'm going to invite you to that today. As Jamie and, 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 and the folks come back, we're just going to take a few minutes because I, I'm, 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 I, my sense was as I was preparing for this that, that some of us, even in our congregation, are, are maybe dealing with some of this, some of the terror, some of the, some of the fears. That, does that resonate? Anybody? And, and I, just, I, I just want you to know that Jesus will come and walk with you and his light will dispel the darkness. You don't need to be afraid of things that go bump in the night. You don't. Now, don't be stupid and impress yourself with images that are going to terrorize you. Can we use some wisdom here? But I want to invite you at the same time into a, a life of joy, a life of liberty, a life of the pushback against darkness with light. I'm going to do something just a little bit different than we've done before. Um, and that is, I'm just going to invite you to pray for one another, just where you are. Usually we've asked people to stand. And if, and if you are particularly uh, in, in wanting somebody to specifically pray with you uh, in, in a need, I'm going to invite you to go to one of the two crosses. People will be there and, and be happy to pray with you. But I'm, I'm, my sense is that we all just need somebody to pray with us, husbands with wives and uh, uh, friends with friends and strangers with strangers. If, if you are uh, here today, I want to just take ten or five or ten minutes uh, and, and let's pray for one another that we would walk in the confidence of the identity that Jesus sees in us, that we would walk in the confidence of the light against the darkness, that as we go into a terrified world this week, whether the terror is from international terrorism or the terror is from the unemployment situation or the terror is because of financial collapse or the terror is because of what we see happening in the world or the terror is unnamed and shapeless because sometimes our anxieties are such that we can't even put a, a boundary around the darkness. Do you know what I mean? And I want to just ask you to pray with one another for a few minutes. And let's push back against, you are deputized in Jesus' name as his disciples to push back the darkness. So let's do it in Jesus' name. Let's pray for one another. I cultivate a quiet Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from the garden, or if you would like to find out more about the garden church, check out our website at thegardenlb.org.